Take your Bibles. And I know you're Bi- Baptists are people of the books. Amen. Amen. People of the books. You're not going to have any trouble finding the text. Turn to the first page of the Bible. Genesis 1. I shared what I was preaching this Sunday with a fellow minister this week. He said, how long have you been working on this sermon? I said, about 11 years. About 11 years ago, I went on a uh, very intentional study of the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, which are foundational to all the rest of the Word of God. In the midst of that study, I came across a quote in, a, in one of the commentaries, and I cannot remember which one it is. I just tell you, it's in there. And the writer said, there are ten commandments by God in Genesis chapter 1 that hold the physical universe together. Ten times, and that's our, where we're going to go today, ten times in the book of Genesis, the Holy Spirit says through Moses, and God said, it was a command, and something happened in those six days of creation. Each time he spoke those ten times. Now, you've heard of the Ten Commandments, of course, seen the movie, read the, read the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy quotes them again. Now, the Ten Commandments of Moses in Exodus and Deuteronomy hold the moral and spiritual world together. We can't, we can't have, cannot have, an organized society where people get along in safety without the Ten Commandments. First four commandments relate to God. Last five commandments relate to people. Thou shalt not kill and so forth. And the middle one, uh, honor your father and the mother. Those commandments hold our society together. And one reason we're falling apart as a society is we don't believe the Ten Commandments anymore. And children are growing up without, unless they're growing up in a Christian home, without knowing there's such a thing as the Ten Commandments, much less about the gospel of Jesus. Now, the Ten Commandments in the book of Genesis in chapter 1, which we're going to look at today, hold the, the physical universe together, hold this earth together, hold the stars together, hold everything together, and this is going to be a gospel sermon. It's going to be about Jesus, because Jesus is the creator. By way of introduction, let me remind you, as we look at the creation story, and that's what the sermon's about today, the creation story, we see, and I believe we're on the screen, verses about Jesus we, in the New Testament. In the beginning, now that's how the book of Genesis begins. In the beginning, John says, was the word, all things were made by him, was not anything made that was made. Jesus is our Redeemer. Oh, and I loved your music today. I love the Getty song. I love the, when I survey the wondrous cross. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Creator. And that's what we want to learn today. Colossians 1 says, His dear Son, by Him were all things created. Jesus created all things. Hebrews 1, God has spoken unto us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom He made the world. So, this is not just a story about creation. It's a story about the cross. And we're going to go to the cross in this message. And I'm very excited about it. And I, I need to tell you, this is really the first time I've ever preached this sermon as it is 
It's been a matter of prayer for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I hope you'll pray for me and you'll follow along in the Scripture because I'm very excited about what God says here. Let's begin in the first verse. In the beginning, God. Now, if you can believe the first words of the Bible, you can believe every other word in the Bible. Amen? Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John MacArthur pointed out, and I love John MacArthur and his studies, that there was a man named Herbert Spencer, who was one of the great scientists. You can go look him up in Wikipedia. All my illustrations are Wikipedia tested. I've learned I need to do that to make sure they're accurate. Herbert Spencer was one of the great, greatest scientists of the last part of the 19th, early part of the 20th century. He was not a professing Christian. Matter of fact, he probably didn't believe the Bible. But he, Herbert Spencer, at the end of his life, said, all of the universe is comprised of five elements. Time, force, action, space, matter. He didn't know he was quoting Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, time, God, force, created, action, space, the heavens, and the earth, matter. You see, the Bible is always scientifically correct if you're using true science. Paul talks in 1 Timothy about a science falsely so-called. Start with the book of Genesis. It's true. It's real. It will give us his will and his way. Now, we're going to get to the first point here. We're going to be on day one. And I can already hear and read your mind what some of you are thinking. You mean you believe God created the world in six days? Yes, that's what the Bible says. Six days, each with an evening and a morning. Now, the reason you don't believe that is that most of the culture doesn't believe that. And you've, we have swallowed a lot of philosophies. Evolution is not a science. It's a philosophy. It's a presupposition. The Bible is truth. I like to quote a verse to you that God said about <clears throat> creation. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Amen. Were any of you there? Was anybody else there? Only God. And the only one who can tell us what happened on creation week is God. And then there's this quote by Martin Luther. You know, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation uh, in 2017, 1517, those 500 years that have changed the world as Bible-preaching churches all grow out of that Protestant Reformation. He said this when debating a man about the six-day creation. It's one of the greatest sentences I've ever read that straightens someone out. Here it is. Martin Luther said, quote, If you cannot believe nor understand that God created the world in six days, each having a morning and an evening, then please give the Holy Spirit credit for being wiser than you are. End of quote. Amen and amen. That kind of shut that fellow up, didn't it? Let's look at the Ten Commandments of God. Day one, verse three. And God said, now that's the first commandment. As we go through here, and we, we're going to begin to move more rapidly, underline those three words. And God said, that's a commandment. It's actually a prophetic commandment. There was darkness, 
And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's the first commandment in creation. God commanded light that we might see. In the evening and the morning, he called the first day. Now, some are going to say, well, there was no sun yet. Where's the light coming from? We see the sun in verse 4. It was coming from God himself. John 8, 12 said, I am the light of the world. Matthew 17, at the transfiguration, his face did shine as the sun. Paul said when he was converted on the Damascus road, I saw a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. He saw Jesus. Revelation 22, they have no need of the light of the sun. There's no sun in heaven, but they have light because God gives them light. So the first day, God said, let there be light. Now, that's what we need. We have to have light. It was darkness. Didn't we have a beautiful morning this morning? It was unbelievable. This glorious sun was shining. The blue sky above shined through the window there while I was drinking my cup of coffee, and I thought, this is magnificent. God commanded the light those thousands of years ago. Now, every one of these has a spiritual application. Light is, is what happens to you when you get saved. When you're lost, you're in darkness. But when the light of Jesus shines on you, it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The Lord is my light and my salvation. When you're saved, the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. The psalmist said, open my eyes for thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You and I need light. Without the light of Jesus Christ, uh, this world is in darkness. We have a dying world since the Garden of Eden. We have a world that is without hope. My heart is so burdened with, I say this because I read it in the paper every day. I see teenagers who are dying of suicide, and I say, why are they doing this? They have no hope. There's no one giving them the light, the truth, that they're made in God's image. They think they're the product of uh, some kind of billions of years of evolution, that they're just an animal like any other animal. We need this word from God that God made us, and God gives us light for our life and light for our salvation. The second commandment is in verse 6. Are you following along? There won't be a test, but I just want you to follow along. Verse 6, and God said, that's the second commandment. Let's read it. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and divide the waters from the waters. So what happened here? God, this earth was covered with water, the Bible said back in verse 2 and 3. It's covered with darkness. God separated the waters. The water that's above us is that canopy we call atmosphere that keeps the sun's rays out from burning us up that gives us all the rain and the the moisture. So we have the waters in the ocean, we have the waters up here, and they're separate, they're separated. So God said, and he gives his beautiful words in King James firmament, a lot of new translations, it's the word expanse. Oh, I've done a lot of study on this one. What is this firmament? It's the air we breathe. Firmament. So I walked out of the apartment this morning on the way to church. Had a long walk right down that hill from over here. Uh, And I saw the blue sky and I went, oh, that firmament is so good this morning. That's air. Second commandment is God gave us air to breathe. 
He provided oxygen in this atmosphere for us to have. And without that commandment, we could not be here. I'm not a scientist, but uh, the atmosphere is 21% oxygen, 78% nitrogen, 1% other elements, perfect for breath and life to exist on this planet alone. There's no life on any other place. This is it. This is as far as redemption and creation is concerned. God's focus, the center of the universe spiritually, is the planet Earth where he brings out the drama of redemption and he made this planet that he might show his glory through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank God for air. You ever thank God for light? Thank God for air? Yes. Wait till you've had lung problems. You'll start thanking God for air. Now, when I was a boy, uh, Russia and America were having conflicts. We're still having conflicts. And they had this fellow named Khrushchev. Some of you are old enough to remember him. And he said, we will bury you. Remember that? That scared me to death as a little boy. And then we got in this space race. And uh, Russia got the man in space first, the cosmonaut. Isn't that Sputnik? You've got to read about history to know that. I just read it in the paper when I was a little boy. And the first man in space was Yuri Gagarin, a Russian. And he came back after one revolution outside the atmosphere, and he made the party line announcement. Quote, I remember reading it. Yuri Gagarin said, I went to the heavens, and I did not see God. Well, the communists all loved that over there, and they thought that was great. Somebody in America quipped back, well, if Yuri Gagarin had stepped out of that capsule, he would have met God. Amen? No air up there. No air. Thank God for air. Thank God for the air we breathe. Spiritually, we need the air of the Holy Spirit. You say, the air of the Holy Spirit. The word spirit means breath. Did you know that? That's the, that's the Hebrew word for spirit. It's a breath. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Jesus said after his resurrection, he breathed on the Holy Spirit and said, excuse me, he breathed on the disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. When we're saved, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. We have the breath of God now living in us. We're redeemed and we have a new spirit in us. We have the old sin nature. We have a new spirit. And we are told by God to be filled with the Spirit. Now we're going to go to day three. Go to verse 9 and go to verse 11. There are two commandments. We get the third and the fourth commandment on day three. God is saying something special about that third day. Can I tell you something? I'm excited what I'm about to share with you. I've never preached this before. I've got to just stop a minute and grab myself. I'm very excited. Here it is. I'm going to preach the gospel. Verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together in one place, and the dry land appeared. Have you ever thanked God for dry land? That happened on the third day, dry land, covered with water. Some of the water had gone to become the, create the ferment with the atmosphere and create that wonderful canopy for about 100 miles where we would have air to breathe, especially at the lower parts, and ground appeared. Now, we need ground to have life. The light you see, the air you breathe, the earth upon which you stand are the grace of God to you. Now, as spiritual, as Christians, we need to be rooted and grounded in our faith. Colossians says, continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Paul said in Ephesians, Christ 
Let Christ dwell on your hearts by faith. Be rooted and grounded in love. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't be a tumbleweed Christian. You need roots. A tumbleweed has no roots. You put down roots. But how can you put down roots if you don't have ground? And so you're to put down roots spiritually, but now we've got ground. But there was another commandment. Look at verse 11. This also happened on the third day. We're now to the fourth commandment. And God said, verse 11, the fourth commandment of creation, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. God made grass and trees on that third day. Trees. Aren't trees wonderful? Unless the wind blows them down and fall, makes it fall on your house. Like Remember that bleak wind we had eight, eight weeks ago? That happened to us, but we got over it. Thank God for insurance companies and all that. But trees are so beautiful. You know, trees God put here to cleanse the atmosphere. One scientist called trees, quote, the lungs of the earth that clear the air through photosynthesis. Isn't that amazing that God is so wise that before he put a human being on earth, he gave us light, air, ground, And now he plants the trees, the fruit trees. And I do think, just like Adam was created full-grown, God put these fruit trees full-grown there. God can do anything. If he can make anything, he can make everything. And the trees were there. Now, would you let me preach the gospel here? Trees. See, in Genesis, the theme of every, every theme in the Bible starts in Genesis and goes throughout the rest of the Bible. Let me read you some verses. Deuteronomy 21, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Galatians 3, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree. 1 Peter uh, said he died on the tree for us. You see, the cross is now prophesied in this particular commandment. It said that seeds came down. This is the thought I want to convey to you that I believe with all my heart. God, of course, knew that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says he is the Lamb of God created before the foundation, before, before the foundation of the earth, which we're reading about here. God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit determined that Jesus, the Son of God, would come and die on a tree for us that was set before this tree first ever came on the earth. So here's the thought that that has grabbed my heart from this great, great text. The tree upon which Jesus Christ died, we don't know what kind it was, but the first trees that were ever planted dropped seeds and drop seeds, and drop seeds. The tree upon which Jesus Christ was dropped as a seed, and the next tree dropped a seed, and the next tree dropped a seed, until in those years, about 30 A.D., 33 A.D., there was a tree around Jerusalem whose forebearers of trees had been created on this third day, and that tree was there, and the Roman soldiers cut it down, and they made they had become scientifically uh, adept almost in the cross that they made and a cross that a man, a criminal, would die upon 
The tree upon which Jesus died was in the heart of God the Father and of God the Son when these first trees were created on the third day. And that makes me say amen. Praise God. You see, the third day is going to be special, he says. On this third day, he had two commandments. He created trees. And then on the third day, you know the verse, the gospel. For I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel, that third day. Now we go to, to day four. Look at verse 14. And God said, that's, that's the day four, that's the fifth commandment. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the sun from the night. Let them be for signs. Verse 15, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens. Verse 16, and God made two great lights. Greater light, the sun, the lesser light, the moon. And verse 16, last line, he made also the stars. It just says, he didn't made the stars. He just said, let there be stars. That's how they were created. God spoke. That's that commandment. What is God making here? He's making time. Time. It's a gift. God is creating time. For time is one of the most elusive things you can imagine. There uh, used to be a song in the 60s, if I could put time in a bottle. I remember that one in high school days. You can't put time in a bottle, but what is time? Time is just, I'll read what Funk and Wagner's encyclopedia said. Time is that which regulates the affairs of life and is derived from the sun. Without the sun and the earth going around the sun, and the earth turning, we wouldn't have years, we wouldn't have days, we wouldn't have the moon, we wouldn't have months because that's from the moon. God is creating time. Have you ever thought about that? God has given us time to regulate our life. Without time, you're just a jellyfish floating around. A schedule is a good thing. Say amen. Schedule is a good thing. You don't want to just do whatever happens. You've got to have a schedule of life, and God set up hours and days and weeks. We got the first week, seven days, rest on the Sabbath day. All these things God commanded and made right here. Have you ever thanked God for time? You know, uh, my time's about to run out. I've hit that big 7-0. I, I think a lot about that. I think a whole lot about that. Time's a gift. Every day is a gift. And so God wants you to understand this commandment of time when, when you have to get up at 5.30 in the morning to be at work at 7 or whenever you get up to go to work, uh, God is saying, this is a gift. I'm giving you a schedule. I'm giving you a time. I'm giving you the ability to work. This is a gift from God. Now, spiritually apply that. The days of our years are three score years and ten. Teach us to number our days that when we apply our hearts unto wisdom. Ephesians 5, redeem the time for the days are evil. James 4, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a moment, and it then vanishes away. Let's go to day 5. Go to verse 20 and get the sixth commandment. And God said, there's, there's the sixth commandment on day 5. Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life, the fowl that fly above the earth and the heavens and the open firmament. And verse 21, God created great whales. Here he makes fish and fowl. So God on the fifth day makes the birds and makes the fish. I've often wondered why those fish were so elusive in catching. That's because they've been here a day longer than we have. They're smarter than we are. They know how to hide. 
But uh, he provided these, we'll find later, for us to have as food, for us to have for enjoyment. Can you imagine a world without birds? I cannot, can you? Can you imagine a world without a hummingbird? Imagine a world without a robin? Or imagine a, bird, a world without those beautiful red cardinals? You see, God made all this on the fifth day, fish and fowl. God is so good. He also, notice it says, again, a gospel foreshadowing as far as I'm concerned. There in this same passage, verse 21, God created great whales. God, uh, three things he points out as a special note, stars, whales, and cows. We'll see in just a very brief moment. He made the whales. And I like to think that the whale, the, it's called great fish or whale, that swallowed Jonah, his first, the first whale, eventually he, he's the grandson of, of that first whale. God, it said in Jonah 1, 12, 17, God prepared a great fish or a whale. God swallowed Jonah. Three days he was in the stomach of the whale. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 40, as Jonah was in the King James belly of the whale, so the Son of Man, that is Jesus, will be in the heart of the earth. Three days and three nights, a gospel prophecy. You see, God planned all this out. He's pointing out he made a whale that would swallow Jonah and that this would point to Jesus. He made a tree that would bring a tree that would be the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, the gospel's here. Now we get to day six. We're coming to the end, but there's four commands. Day six was special. First thing he did in verse 24, and that's the seventh commandment, and God said, it's a command, let the earth bring forth a living creature. The earth animals are now made. Cattle, and he mentions the cattle or livestock twice. What is God creating here? God is, has, before he creates man, he's giving him the fish to eat, the birds to eat, the birds to watch. He's giving him air, he's giving him ground, he's giving him light, he's giving him time. Now he's creating agricultural life. God saw there was all good. And he mentions cows twice. I don't, I, I don't laugh at me when I say this, but if you ever thank God for cows, amen. What would you, we do in this planet if we didn't have cows? I know some people have this idea that cows uh, uh, are hurting the atmosphere. I'm not going to buy a bridge from them, I'll tell you that right now. But uh, just think of the miracle of God in making a cow. God made brown cows who eat green grass and give white milk that feeds the population of the whole world. Hallelujah. Thank God for cows. Thank God for farmers. I won't have you raise your hand if you're a farmer. Thank you very much for the food I had this morning. Thank you for my oatmeal if you raise oats. We need to, this chapter brings us back to the basic things of life for which we should be thankful. Thank you for having that song up here, This Is My Father's World. It's written by a man named Malty Babcock. I had a poem about Malty Babcock in this sermon this morning. Here it is. About how we get a loaf of bread. Here it is. Back of the bread is the snowy flour. Back of the flour is the mill. Back of the mill is the wheat and shower, the sun and the Father's will. So these are all gifts from God. Now I must close. There are three commandments left. The commandment of you, the commandment of you, 
the commandment of you. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. And then we see in verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said, the ninth commandment, be fruitful and multiply. Then chapter 1, verse 29, and God said, the tenth commandment, I've given you every herb bearing seed, and it shall be you for food. So, here we see the triune God is mentioned. It says in verse 26, let us make man in our image. Is that a reference to the Holy Trinity? It is the, what's called the plural of deity, the plural of majesty. Indeed, this is a reference to God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And God used three commandments to make you and to make me. He, he did the same thing in Genesis 11.1 1, when he said of the Tower of Babel, let us go down and see what evil they've done. In Isaiah 6, he said to Isaiah, who will go for us? Again, the Bible in the Old Testament gives these references to the triune God, which are fully revealed in the New Testament. And here we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit involved in your creation. In the commandment to make you in the image of God, he makes you in the likeness of God. You are like God. A dog is not like God. Uh, an animal is not like God. A monkey is not like God. Only a human being is like God. This certainly gives us a reason to believe in the dignity and the sanctity of human life over all other animals. God the Father, Son, and Spirit are involved. When he gives in verse 28, again, that ninth commandment, he gives you the fullness and the fruitfulness of his, of his power and of his blessing. He gives us uh, dominion. You see, man, every animal on earth is afraid of man. That's, that's because God put it in them. Man has dominion. Man subdues the earth. And in Christ, we are to subdue our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We are to follow him and lay our life our all. Finally, the last commandment, every provision there in the 10th commandment, there in verse 31, excuse me, verse 29, and God said, I've given you every herb. God provides everything we need. See, everything you need, God's already given you. Everything you need, God has provided. God's given you life. God's given you air. God's given you a church. Dr. Truitt used to say, everybody needs three homes, an earthly home, a heavenly home, and a church home. You've got a great church home. You've got all the blessings of life. All these things are the commandments of God. Now, what's the application or the takeaways as we close the sermon? I'll give you some thoughts. God is bigger than you can ever imagine. God is more powerful than you can ever conceive. God is wiser and his thoughts and ways are far above your ways and my ways as the heaven is above the earth. God is love and created you for a saving and loving relationship with him as your creator redeemer. Don't miss this next application. You are totally dependent upon God. Don't miss this one. When you need fixing, God is the only one who can fix you because he made you. Amen. All you have, all you are, all you will become, you owe to God. The creator, listen to this, the creator died for his creation. He was in the world 
and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. Well, I've got to close. It's time. I want to tell you a story. Uh, I grew up in church. Thank God. Uh, had a wonderful wife of a deacon who had three children in our church when we pastored at First Baptist New Orleans. And one time, one of the children said to her, Mother, do we have to go to church this Sunday? And she said, No, you don't have to go to church this Sunday. You get to go to church this Sunday. Amen. I like that. Well, I thank God I was raised in church. I thank God I was there every time the doors opened. Thank God for my Christian mother and daddy who are in heaven. Look forward to seeing them. And if you have Christian parents, get on your knees if you haven't done so. And thank God for your Christian upbringing. Well, I remember we had a guest preacher there. Our church grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. and uh, I was a little boy, and I listened to his story. He told a story. I'll never forget it. It's been oh, forgive me, 65 years since I heard this story, but I've never forgotten it. He told the story about a little boy who liked to uh, make boats, and he, his daddy had taught him to make, how to make these little wood boats with a little sail on it, and he would sail them. And he worked for a long time, and he made this little boat, and it, he would put it in the streams, he would put it in the lakes, and, and he'd have a string on it, and he could bring it back to him. And it and it was something, he, he loved this little boat. He worked on it for weeks and weeks and weeks with the help of his father. And as he was out one day with that little boat, a storm came. And the little boat, which was skillfully made, very valuable little boat, it's, the string slipped out of his hand and the boat went out on the lake. It got far away from him. It went out on a little stream. The little boy couldn't find his little boat. And he was so heartbroken and lived in a town and in that town, there was what we'd call a pawn shop. And weeks later, he was walking by, and he looked inside that pawn shop window, and there was his little boat with a price tag, $5. That's a lot of money. It is to me now. Back then, a lot of money. And uh, the little boy went inside and said to the man, he said, that's my boat. I made that little boat. I can't help it. I paid for that boat. It's my boat. It's going to cost you $5. And that little boy went home work. He said, you saved that boat. I'm coming back. Talked to his daddy. He worked and got that boat together. And he went to that man and said, here's, got the money together for the boat. Gave him the $5. That's my boat. I'm paying you for it. And he said, all right, it's your son. That little boy, I'll never forget this. This is what I've been trying to say in this sermon. I say, well, why didn't you just say it at the first? Because I want to do the whole thing. Little boy took that little boat he'd built with his hands. And he said, little boat, I made you. Little boat, I lost you. Little boat, I bought you back to myself. Little boat, you're twice mine. Isn't that a great story? That's what this passage and the whole Bible is trying to say. God made you. He lost you to sin of your own free will, but he sent his son to buy you back. Dear friend, you're twice his. God looks at you and he says, you're twice mine. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's serve him. Father, thank you for your word from the book of Genesis. Thank you for the patience and love and attentive ears of your people. 
Oh God, uh, help us to be grateful for this world and its creation. But God, grateful also for the world that is to come, the new creation, when we will sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We love you, Father. Bless us now. Bless this invitation in Christ's name. Amen.